Okay. Good morning, everybody. It is good to see everybody today, and um, this is one of my favorite times of the year, uh, not only uh, because of the weather. How many people love this weather? Okay. This is perfecto. Okay. But um, with that in mind, we also have, during this time of the year, one of our favorite people in the world to come and minister the word of God to us. And so, for those of you who were able to be with us yesterday, um, this is one of my best friends in the world and has been for over the past couple of decades. It's actually gone into decades now. How many people love the fact when you have long-term friends and relationships, right? And that's the type of um, thing that God does when you're in community and you're in the kingdom business together is that he builds your lives together, a shared life unto the purposes of God. And so, uh, Pastor Reggie um, is actually not only important to this church because he did a spiritual gifts training yesterday, but he's been here from the beginning. He's actually the lead pastor of our sending church in Durham, North Carolina, and he has actually been praying for you, been uh, investing in this church, been helping to steward the movement of this church for the past since its inception. And so today he's actually coming with a word for us to bring encouragement and continue us on in the grace of God. So with all the love and the grace that's in your heart, can you give a round of applause to Pastor Reggie Robertson? All right, how, how are y'all doing this morning? Doing good, good. Thank you for those who are joining us online. Um, I just wanna say that you guys have some real incredible leaders that are leading this church, Second City Church. Come on, let's give it up for them. I mean, they're amazing. Pastor Rollin and B, um, they have just, they have had this dream in their heart for so many years and uh, they've been able to see it come about um, through the help of those who have joined in um, really reaching out and helping to steward and shepherd the church. And um, that's uh, Pastor Cole and Evelise. Can we give it up for them as well? Amazing. Coming alongside them, serving, helping. Um, Sarah as well. Um, how many of you love Sarah? There's so many of, uh, and then all of you that are here that are, are, are elders or deacons and those who are serving, thank you so much for what you do. Um, you guys are huge and really impacting um, th this city. You're, you're doing something of significance in this place, in this city, and those who are, are watching um, online from, from all over. So um, I'm, I'm really happy to be here. And I'm gonna tell you, th this morning, I'm really stirred in my spirit uh, for what I believe God's gonna, gonna speak to you this morning. And, and it's, it's stirring in me because I am seeing God do something right uh, before my eyes. And it's, it's pretty remarkable about what I'm seeing happening all over the United States and including in this city, Chicago. Just say this with me, God, God is, doing is doing something here. here. Praise God. I'm glad you're in agreement with that. So, <laughs> but he really is, he's doing something here, he's doing something all over the place. Um, before I, I got on the um, airplane flight to come here, uh, going through Hurricane Ian, you've probably heard about that, really took a toll here on, in, in Florida. Um, and by God's grace, it did not have the, the same destructive effects in, in North Carolina, but we did get hit with the tropical storm there. Uh, and we were about 20, 15 minutes having to fly out of that to go to get here to Chicago. But right before I came, um, we were having our staff meeting at our church and our staff loves you all and we're praying for you 
uh, regularly. If you see me taking pictures, it's because I'm like trying to show them, hey, these are the people that we've been praying for. So don't mind me if I'm doing that. But um, they, they're, we were praying for you, praying for um, what's going on in our church. And we start to have a, a, a praise report time, testimony time. And in this testimony time, uh, one of the older uh, staff members, his name is Victor, he started sharing about something that happened. And I shared this yesterday in our spiritual gifts training. Is we had just completed a training ourselves last Sunday, um, a week ago from today, Sunday night. And he was leaving the training and he was putting stuff in his car. And, and this 16-year-old this, um, walks up to him behind him while he's putting stuff in the car now. Now, how many of you, uh, if you were putting stuff in the car and somebody walked up behind you <laughs> in, in the dark, you know, you, you would be a little nervous or at least guarded, you know what I'm saying? And so th this is what's happening. He's on his guard. He's, you know, doesn't know what's getting ready to take place. And then this guy, he asked him, he says, he says, hey, this church, there's something different about this church. And so then in his mind, he starts thinking, oh, man, this guy just wants some money. He's getting ready to flatter me and, and so that he can get some money from me or something like that. And so he just says, yeah, I just want to know. And, and he just continues to talk to him. And then what happens is that something in his brain, like in, in Victor's brain, my, my, my friend's brain, the staff member clicks like, oh, wait a minute. We just had a prophet here, you know, two weeks ago or the previous week. And he prophesied that God was going to bring young people to us. And so he said, maybe this is what a fulfillment of that. And so what he does is he starts talking to this guy and answering his questions. And then eventually he says to him, hey, listen, if, if God's got something great for you in your life, and I'm saying this to all of you today, you in here, you who are watching online, God has something great for you. In your life, something amazing for you to, to do and to be. But the thing is, is he says, is you need two things. You need to give your life to Jesus and you need to be discipled. And he said that to this young man. And the young man said, okay, I, I, I'm, I'll, I'll do that. And so he, this is his second week meeting with this young man. And he just gave his life to Christ and became a believer in, in the Lord. Now, I wish every moment happened like that, but that is abnormal. Yeah. That's not just going to happen where people walking up to you say, basically saying, can, you, can, you, can I give my life to Jesus? But I do want to highlight this is that, is that I believe that we all over the world, listen, I'm not just saying in America, but all over the world, we're in a unique season of harvest. This is what the Lord has been speaking to my heart. We're in a unique season of harvest. And he gave me the scripture here in Psalm 107, 36 through 8, 38. It says, and there he lets the hungry dwell. I want you to remember that, the hungry dwell. And they establish a city to live in. They sow fields and plant vineyards and get a fruitful yield. By his blessing, they multiply greatly, and he does not let their livestock diminish. Here's a scripture giving us a picture of a season change. A season change. And the season change is not like going from winter to fall. It's a season in which the activity of God has moved from people being hungry to people 
having a harvest. This is the picture he's giving. And what I believe this relates to us, how this relates to us, is that God's saying is that we're entering this season of harvest where we are going to see some of the things that we've been praying for ourselves, some of the things that we've been praying for our family members, some of the things we've been praying for our friends, some of the things we have been crying out to God for, for our, this city, that God is going to answer these things. We are going to see God move in an accelerated time in this period, and it's going to blow our mind. I, I see a day in this with Second City in this church where God, there's going to be multiple services, multiple times of meeting. Get ready for how God is going to bring in the harvest in this particular church because so many people are going to be drawn to the presence of God and they're going to be giving their lives to Christ and come to know him in a greater way. But God says it's going to happen. Harvest is not just going to happen for the, the city, but it's going to happen in our own souls. He says there's a harvest of righteousness for us and our souls, and there's a harvest of souls for the city. God's going to do both in very powerful ways. And I, I just see God bringing signs and wonders, his presence leading people to salvation, freedom taking place, spiritual growth happening, restoration of purpose and healing taking place of self-worth, and miraculous provision is what God is going to bring. Now, I, I don't want you to miss this season of harvest. I don't want you to miss this. And this is, this is the, 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 the crux of what I'm come, where I'm coming from in this message. Is that, that there is a participation that God has for you in this harvest because he has a purpose for you. There's significance in your life. He's created you for something. And you don't want to miss this moment. This is one of those moments where you ever have such a great, like, stint or season in your life, and you look back and you look at it and you say, man, that was amazing. Like, that, I, I wish I had appreciated it more when I was in it. This is why I'm talking to you, because I'm saying to you, you're in something. You're in it. You don't want to miss what God's doing. And I'm telling you, we're in it in America. We've, we've heard about, like, the, the, the Jesus movement in the, in the 60s, the late 60s and the 70s. We, we, we've heard uh, about the, the move of God that took place in the latter rain movement in the 40s. And, and you know, we've heard about the Azusa Street movement in 1906 that, that just basically impacted the world. And here's what I'm telling you. We're in another moment where the church is going to be marked in an incredible way. And we can't miss it because you're a part of what God wants to do. I was driving in on Sunday morning for Easter. And right as I'm getting ready to turn into the street where our church is, God speaks this word to me. He says, don't sleep in the harvest. He says, don't sleep in the harvest. And I, I said, wait a minute. Is that for the church? Is that for me? Like, what's going on here? Like, we got lots of things planned right now for Easter. Like, we're, 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 we got inflatables, man. We had we have pelican snow cones and, you know, all of these incredible things. We're getting ready to have this big old fair climbing wall. And, I mean, our parking lot was just filled with this stuff. It was pretty amazing. I said, what do you mean? I'm ready for the harvest. And God said, don't sleep in the harvest. 
I said, oh, man, what, what have I done something wrong? Like, what's happening? And so for days, I just searched my spirit and my heart, my mind, and said, God, what, did I do something wrong? And finally, God spoke to me and said, it's not about you doing something wrong. It's about you being awake and about you being feeling urgent. There being an urgency with what's happening. That's what I want. And then he told me, he said, yes, this is for you. But it's also for the entire body of Christ. And what I'm doing specifically in this world at this moment is that there is a harvest. And he says, don't sleep in the harvest. Now, I, I took this word to, you know, this word is a prophetic word. And I said, I, I want to talk to more experienced prophets than me and see, see what they think. And so I shared this with uh, 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 this guy named Jim LaFoon, Prophet Jim LaFoon. And he said, as I, I shared this with him and a group of other uh, leaders, they said, this is the word of the Lord. This is what God's saying. And then right after that, he sent me a scripture on, in my text. And I, I want to read this scripture to you because this, I, I've read this before, but I totally forgot about it. It did not cross my mind. But li let's look at this. This is what it says. Proverbs 10, 5. It says, he who gathers in the summer is a prudent son, but he who sleeps in the harvest is a son who brings shame. I was like, there's a scripture about this? Oh, my goodness. I was like, wow. It's right there in the Bible. Don't sleep in the harvest. See, we have examples in history where we slept in the harvest. One of the most grievous moments that happened is 1945, when World War II had ended, General MacArthur, Douglas MacArthur, was in Japan after the tragic bombings that took place that really disrupted our world and disrupted Japan and really brought about a lot of destruction. And it was, it was not a, a good thing that took place. However, there was an opportunity at that particular moment for the, the Japanese to experience the gospel. And so Doug, Douglas MacArthur called himself the soldier of God and he he, he went in there and he started trying to, to preach the gospel and, and win particularly the emperor of Japan uh, to, to Jesus. Now, he did not succeed in that. He was still remaining a Shintoism or Shintoist. But here's what, here's what did happen. At least the emperor of Japan admitted that he wasn't a god. So that was good, you know, because for many years he was saying he was a god and that was not true. But Douglas, Douglas MacArthur, he said, hey, listen, let's bring... All the missionaries we can to Japan, man, we can share the good news with Japan because they've been through so much pain and, and, and the, their country is ready to receive Jesus. And what happened is that a lot of people did not go and answer the call to go to Japan and preach the gospel. And the reason why they didn't is because they were experiencing their own pain. I'm going to come back to that in a second. But they didn't go. And today, Japan is less than 1% Christian. And it's a nation that's fraught with all types of difficulties. See, here's the thing. We don't want to miss the opportunities that God is setting before us. There is a harvest that he has. So the question becomes for us is, is why would we sleep in a harvest? How, 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 does, how does it work that we would sleep? What would cause us to sleep? I want to give you two reasons. The, the first reason is articulated by Isaiah the prophet. This is in Isaiah 56.10. He says, the watchmen, these are the God's prophetic people, the people who are supposed to be hearing from God. 
and seeing what's coming, what's happening. He says they're blind. Then he says they are all without knowledge. They are silent dogs that cannot bark, dreaming, lying down, loving to slumber. See, what's going on here is that one of the reasons why we sleep in the harvest is because of slumber. You said, what does, what does slumber look like? Here you have the people who are supposed to have revelation, the people who are supposed to have a, a bark that can be heard, are supposed to be heard, the people who are supposed to see, they can't see, they have no bark. Why? Because they're sleeping. They've been lulled to sleep. They're sleeping. What does that look like for us? What does it mean for us to slumber? It's, it's like the Pharisees. The Pharisees slumbered. They were asleep. They were, they were in this spirit of stupor. The Pharisees are these, these religious leaders in, during the time of Jesus. And, and, and what happened is that they, they could do all the rituals, but they didn't have revelation in their heart about who Jesus was. He was standing right there in front of them, the, the Son of God, God himself, but they couldn't see it because they were put to sleep by their rituals and their religiosity. And let me, let me tell you this. Sometimes we can be put to sleep by our ideologies. Our ideologies can lull us to sleep to the point where we care more about our ideologies than we care about people. And so we're so bent on learning more and, 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 and looking at conspiracy theories and, 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 and engaging and, and what's what and this and that that we can't even see our neighbors. We've been put to sleep by the, our focus on ideologies. We're, all, we're also lulled to sleep by, by the things that, that, that entertain us, by comfort. You know, like, like, like Netflix and, and, and Instagram and TikTok and uh, all these social media things and all of these incredibly long, just uh, numerous amount of live streaming services. I can't even name them all now. It's like everybody got in the business during the pandemic. You know, it's like, come on, man, HGTV used to be free. Now it's a whole channel. That's disturbing to us in our house. But we're, we're, we're put to sleep. We just watch these things over and over again. What happens is it dulls our ability to be sensitive to the spirit and to God. I'm not telling you you can't watch these things. But I'm telling you that when that's all that we're feeding on, is entertainment, and we're not actually praying for and looking at the people right in front of us, we can just go to sleep. We're people that, that have access to revelation, but yet we're, we're, we're just going through the motion. We're, we're, we've been put to sleep. We can't see. We're blind. This is what he's saying. You know, sometimes, here, here's another way we're, we're, we're put to sleep. We slumber when, when we start to be convinced that the greatest needs in our world are something other than a spiritual need. When we start to be convinced that the greatest need in this world is not the gospel. Listen, I do believe in meeting needs. Our church, I'm so proud of our church. This past year, in, in a matter of 12 months, we have provided 159,000 meals to our community. I want to meet our practical needs. I'm, I'm, I'm all about that. But that's not the greatest. Listen to me. That's not the greatest need. We can meet those needs, and if people die, 
and they end up in a place of darkness away from God where they're tormented forever and ever. That practical need did not matter whether it was met or not, ultimately. We need to do both. We need to meet the practical, but the most important are spiritual. This is the reason why, you know, being on the camera, doing worship, greeting people, being in the children's classroom, all of these things are are contributing to the deep spiritual need. See, we don't need to be put to sleep by this idea that somehow the other needs are more important. I want to talk about the second reason why I think we're put to sleep here. To set this up, Jesus is is getting ready to die on the cross. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he is is in 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 a moment of sorrow, intense pain. And he is crying out to the Father. And he's getting ready to provide for the greatest harvest that we can experience throughout all eternity in history is when he dies on the cross for our sins because we've rebelled against him, we've rebelled against God, we are treating others wrongly, and we are living for ourselves. We made ourselves the king and the boss of our own lives, and he's going to die on the cross so that we can be forgiven of those things and we can enter into everlasting relationship with him where we're able to experience blessings. And so he gets to this particular moment right before this, and he's going to pray. And this is what we find here in verse 45, in Luke twenty-two forty-five. 45. It says, and when he rose from prayer, he came to his disciples and he found them sleeping. Everybody say this, for sorrow. For sorrow. Say it again, for sorrow. for sorrow. And he said to them, why are you sleeping? Rise and pray that you may not enter into temptation. Here's the thing, is that sometimes we're, we're sleeping in the harvest because of sorrow. Because of sorrow. This word sorrow, let me give you definitions of what it means in its original language. It's grief. It's mental and emotional pain. It's sadness. It's heaviness. It's holding grudges. Holding grudges. Just want to pause on that one for a moment. It's regret. Have any of you ever felt any of these? Me. Yes. I have. I'm probably uh, 100% in all of them. And sorrows can happen for a lot of reasons. It, it can happen because of personal loss. See, that was the reason why in 1945 the, our, the people of God did not rise up from America and go and be missionaries because they were suffering from their own losses. And so they missed an opportunity because they were sleeping for sorrow. Sometimes it's the news, the pandemic, what's hit, hitting our economy. What's taking place with all of the different diseases, monkeypox, and what else is going to come out? This guy, good night. This is crazy. Sometimes it's, it's because of missed opportunities or perhaps your, your, your job, doors have been closed because of your job. Or maybe it's a family situation. Maybe there's a prodigal child or there's a prodigal parent or a sibling. Maybe it's because of a wounded marriage. Maybe you've been betrayed. Maybe there's difficulty in seeing God's purpose in your life. Maybe there's misunderstanding. Maybe there's health issues. Whatever there is, there's definite sorrow that we face. And here's the thing is that regardless of grief or regret or mental and emotional pain, God is speaking to the church. He's saying, do not sleep in the harvest. Do not sleep in the harvest. 
Now, I want to tell you that, that it's difficult. I, I, I'm going I'm to talk about this in a moment. We, we shouldn't ignore our pain. But God is telling us, don't sleep. Don't sleep in the harvest. God, over time, as I meditated on this word that he, was, he had given me, don't sleep in the harvest, he, he eventually gave me another scripture to encourage me, and I believe it will encourage you today. This is what it says, and this is Isaiah 60, and this is what he's saying. This is how we are, are not sleeping in the harvest, but we're harvest ready. See, that's the whole thing. We want to be harvest ready. Here's what he says in Isaiah 60, 1 through 5. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will ri arise upon you, and the glory will be seen upon you. So, so here's, here's the main thought. If you remember anything about this, what I've said today, here's what I'm saying. Is when, when we arise and shine, we will not sleep in the harvest, but we will receive a harvest. When we arise and we shine. Now let me talk about those, those two words. Arise. What is this all about? See, this is a picture of the sun coming out of the dark night and taking its place so that the day comes. And what was he saying? He was saying, Isaiah was saying to the children of Israel, he was saying, listen, you've been scattered to Assyria. You've been scattered to Babylon. You have slumbered in sorrow because of your scattering. You've slumbered. You've, you've, been, you've been asleep in sorrow. You've slumbered in your religious activities. But I'm calling you back to myself. I'm calling you to take your place and to rebuild the temple so that you can worship me and be the light that I've called you to be to the nations. And this is what he's saying. This is the prophecy from Isaiah, the context of it. And what is God saying to us? He's saying, my sons and my daughters, arise, take your place as my sons and daughters in the earth. Do not let sorrow, do not let slumber keep you from taking your place. And how is it possible that we can take our place. See, it's possible because our light has come. This is what he says. Arise, shine, for your light has come. What is our light? See, for the Israelites, it was the word of truth. It was the word of God. It was the prophecy. But we know we have something better than just the word of God proclaimed verbally. We have the word of God who's come in the flesh and dwelt among us, is what John says. It's the word of God himself who is Jesus Christ. He is the light that has come. So we have this light, and it's Jesus who the Father has sent that made it possible for us to receive his Holy Spirit into our lives. And, our, and his Holy Spirit has allowed us to have the power to take our place. See, the Holy Spirit is our joy. The Holy Spirit is our peace. The Holy Spirit is our comfort. The comforter. The Holy Spirit, he is our very power. He is the motivation of our hearts and our the fruit of the Spirit, our, the nature. He is everything we need to arise and to take our place in this hour. The Holy Spirit is what we need to take hold of, his presence and his power, if we're going to arise. And Isaiah is saying, let nothing come in the way of you being who God's called you to be. Not sorrow, not slumber. Nothing. He's not saying to ignore your pain. 
But he is saying, I've given you something that should consume you. Your pain, your entertainment, whatever. It's okay for you to engage in entertainment. It's okay if, if there's pain in your life, but those things should not consume you. What needs to consume you is the light. The light in the presence of Jesus Christ. That's what should consume you. He says, arise. Arise. And then he says, shine. Shine. This is the way the Holy Spirit is saying uh, through Isaiah, hey, let's not let anything keep us from doing what we were created to do. Nothing should keep us from that. Not, not, not sorrow or pain. Listen, we should admit that we have pain. Like, like denying we have pain is, is not the way for us to be whole and healthy and well. But as we express our pain, as we process our pain, we're going to allow the Holy Spirit to heal us, and we're doing that as we shine. And we do good deeds before men. See, that's what Matthew 5, 14 says. He says, let, Jesus says, let your light shine. As you do good deeds before men so that they may glorify your Father who is in heaven. This is what it means to shine. Sometimes, listen, in, in, our, in this life, we're going to have to learn to play with pain. In other words, to play injured. You know, the, the reality of it is, is that if you wait until all your pain is gone to get in the game, to shine, to arise, you're going to be waiting and then you'll die. Because at some point in your life, there's going to be something that you are feel sorrowful about. In fact, every point in your life, there's going to be something you feel sorrowful about. I don't know about you, but there's, there, there's always something I'm having to pray and believe God for. Like, I need a breakthrough. Like, I, I'm sorrowful about my finances, and, and I'm sorrowful. Uh, there's a family situation. I'm, like, trying to figure out. I'm sorrowful about that. You know what I mean, it, there's going to be some type of grief. Some type of mental, emotional pain. If you just say, well, I'll just wait until all of that gets fixed. Guys, you're waiting until heaven. Do you realize that? Heaven is when everything will be fixed. We have to learn to play with pain. And the, only, the thing that counteracts our pain is the process of healing that God does in us when we experience his presence because we have arisen. Because our light has come, Amen. Jesus Christ. Arise, shine, for your light has come. You know, so slumber and sorrow in our world and our lives, it, doesn't, it shouldn't keep us from shining. You know, but honestly, it can actually make us shine more. Do you realize that? Here's how. Paul, he was sick. He got sick, but he still shared the gospel. In fact, Galatians 4, 13 and 14, it says, you know, it was because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you, Galatians, at first. And though my condition was a trial for you, my health condition, you didn't scorn me, you didn't despise me, but you actually received me as an angel 
as from Christ. In other words, I, I was in pain, but I was able to preach the gospel and people were able to come to the Lord. Amen. A church was planted. Multiple churches. See, we, we can't wait. It, it's, so, it's, it's funny because his pain actually allowed him to shine more because it's like, whoa, you're in pain, but you're still doing this? Wow, that's amazing. And it got the attention of the people. I remember being in Argentina and, and watching and seeing um, uh, all of these prisoners. I went to a prison there, and these were people who did some really bad crimes, like, that, like life sentences. And they were, they were behind bars, I mean, for the rest of their lives, basically. And some of them would get free every now and then. But, but for the most part, they were stuck there. You would think all the pain that they have, they, they've gotten themselves in trouble. Man, their lives are over with. Absolutely not. That's not what happened. Someone came in, a movement, a church, preached the gospel to them. And now what they're doing is they have 24-7 prayer in the prison. They're praying for requests all over the world. God is moving through them, and people are writing them back saying, man, I got this breakthrough. I got this breakthrough. You can send your request to them now. It, it's, it's remarkable. See, they're shining even though they're experiencing pain, even though they're in a prison. I, I remember um, there's this guy named Felix in our church, very beloved. He's with Jesus now. But Felix was a part of public housing, and um, he, he would get government subsidies in order to, to, to eat, him and his family. And he would always reserve a portion of the food that he received from public subsidies to give to other people in the community. And he would take them food all the time. And he used that as a way of sharing God's love with people, sharing the gospel. And he actually got a chance to win people to the Lord. And he was shining. You think, you've got to be kidding me. Surely there, you have a family of five? Well, that's just five kids. And that doesn't include him and his wife. You have a family of five and you're doing this? But doesn't that create pains for you? He's like, yeah, but this is my privilege. I, I'd do it any day for Jesus. He's worth it. See, even in his pain, even in his difficult situation, he was still shining. He didn't let that hold him back. And so this is, this is the thing, is that, that God has called us to rise and shine and not to sleep in the harvest, but to receive a harvest. Now, here's what Isaiah says after he declares that the glory of the Lord, the glory and the power of the Holy Spirit has risen upon you. Then the verses go on to say this, and this is what I'm, I'm prophesying to you, Second City Church. Verse 3, it says, and nations shall come to your light. See, if you arise and you shine, I'm telling you, you guys are going to see nations come to you. This word is ethnic group or ethnic groups. You're going to see many people of different nationalities come and be a part of what God's doing here. Aren't you excited about that? Praise God. They're going to be drawn to you. Then it goes on to say, and kings to the brightness of your rising as you rise up. 
There's going to be people of influence that are going to come that are, that are gatekeepers in the city, and that's going to allow more of the gospel to spread and more people to be touched. Praise God for that. And they're going to come bringing resources. I'm prophesying that. They've been spending their resources on all types of things. And God says they're going to be giving it to the house of God so that lives can be transformed and this deep spiritual need can be met. Praise God. And it says in verse 4, lift up your eyes all around and see they are, all, they are gathering together. They come to you, your sons and your shall come from afar, and your daughters shall be carried on their hip. We're just speaking of God is saying that the next generation is going to be reached. I'm telling you, there's going to be, I even see it even in this next 18 months, God is going to move in the youth ministry. God's, God's going to, there's going to be powerful things that take place, even, even with the high schoolers. And there's going to be middle schoolers that are just drawn. And it's going to be kind of messy, but you guys are going to have to just figure it out, okay? Because God is, God is going to do some things in your midst. He's drawing them. He's bringing sons and daughters, the next generation. They're going to be carried on your arms. And then he goes on to say this. It says, then you shall see and be radiant, and your heart shall thrill and exalt. What is this? God says there's going to be joy. Like some of you, like you have just felt like you have not had permission to rejoice and to have joy in your life. You have bought into this lie that, oh, I just need to, to, to agree with what's, what's happening in this world. It's just bad. It's just, it's just going uh, in, a, in a difficult direction. It's all challenges. It's all bad. And I just need to step on the side of everyone who's saying that and just agree with them and just be sad and depressed. And I'm here to tell you that, that your joy and your happiness doesn't have to be based on the circumstances in the world. It can be based on the presence of God and what he brings from his kingdom from heaven. So you can have joy that's unspeakable, joy that's not in circumstances, but joy that's in Jesus. You can have this joy. And he says this is a part of revival. When people experience joy, when there's a harvest, there's rejoicing. In fact, the Israelites would celebrate harvest all throughout the year, three times a year. And every time there was praise and there was rejoicing that came with that. Some of you need joy. Joy in your life. You just you've been fixated so much. When I, I, I let me just say this, I, I sense by the spirit that if the if the enemy can cut out your hope, then he can take your joy. He can steal it. You need to keep hold of your hope. Your hope is your expectation based on the promise of what God is saying he's going to do in your life, what he has promised you through the gospel. And if you take hold of that promise and you keep your hope, then you will also have your joy. Here's the last thing he says. Isaiah prophesies, because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you and the wealth of the nations will come to you. And I want to say that God is going to bring his glorious provision to this, this second city church. That there's going to be wealth. There's going to be provision. There's going to be increase in resources. And you all may be saying, what, how do I fit into that? You're a part of that. You're, you're going to be a part of. And all of this is so that the kingdom of God can grow. It's so that people can know him. It's because of the harvest. That's what it's all about. And you're a part of everything that God is doing. So you will receive a harvest. How many of you say today, I want in on this? 
I do not want to sleep during this time. What God's doing in America, I want my name to be attached to this great harvest that God is doing. If that's you, just raise up your hands right now. I just want to take a moment to pray for you. I want to take a moment to pray for you. Father, I just thank you for all of them that say, I want this harvest. Those in this room and those who are watching online. I want in. I do not want to sleep. I want to be awakened. I want to rise and I want to shine. I'm asking that the power and presence of your Holy Spirit would move in their lives, Lord God, and would awaken them and strengthen them and bless them. Some of them have already been engaged. Would you give them more power, more strength, Lord, in this? Now, Lord, I just want to pray for those who have slept because of slumber. Lord, they have allowed ideologies. They've allowed entertainment. They've allowed the world's definition of what is the greatest need to impact and affect their ways of living and thinking. If you know that's you, if you say that I have allowed that to happen, I fell into the slumber. All of us at one time have. But you know in this last season you've slumbered. Because of those things, I want you to raise your hand and you say, I I want to be, I want to repent. I want to turn away and I want to do what's right. I want God to create in me a new heart to wake me up. Wake me up. Some of you, some of you, it's just materialism. It's it's consumerism. you've, You've just been trapped in that. That's what the whole culture of the entertainment culture and comfort. Well, Lord, we just bring this to you. We repent. We turn away. We we confess that this is wrong. And we're asking you to forgive us. Would you forgive us, Lord God? And would you allow our hearts to wake up? Lord, we've been lulled to sleep. And Lord, we come against that right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, we turn and we, we arise and we let the light of Christ shine on our hearts. Lord, create in us a new heart and renew a right spirit within us. In Jesus' name. Let me pray for those of you. You say, it's not, I haven't slept because of slumber. I've slept because of sorrow. I have pain in my life, emotional pain. I sense by the spirit that some of you have just, it's just been the pain of, of loneliness. It's, it, it's been emotional and, and mental pain. And I'm, here to, I'm not here to say you don't have it. I'm here to say you do have it. You, there is pain, definite pain you're dealing with, grief, loss, missed opportunities, some things happening in your family. There's some financial pain that you've experienced. I'm not here to say that you don't have it. I'm here to I'm here to pray for you that God would heal you. That he would strengthen you. And that even as you continue to work your way through it that you would still be able to arise and shine and take your place as sons and daughters. And that's you if you say I I have some sorrow in my life. There's some grudges that I've held as well. If it's one of those things, just raise up your hand right now. I want to pray. I sense God's going to heal someone. You've, been, you've had a grudge against your father. You've had a grudge against your father. 
and it's hit you on multiple fronts. It's been a relational grudge with your father, and there's a relation, and it's also the fact that your father hasn't been present to provide for you like he should. And the Lord says that this is a day of release. This is a day of healing, a day of strengthening, so you can grow in confidence that God is your ultimate father and that he's going to take care of you and he's going to provide for you. Let me pray for you, Lord. And you see all of those who have experienced sorrow. It's real. It's real. Pain is real. Loss is real. Grief. And I'm asking by the power of your spirit that you come, that you heal them and give them strength. Strengthen them, Lord God. Lord, I pray that your healing would come and either take them away take the pain away or that you give them the strength to endure the pain and to continue to arise and shine as they do i pray that they would feel the joy of your closeness that they be filled with your power and your presence in their lives lord i pray that depression would leave sadness this lack of feeling like I, I, I'm not worth anything. I, I curse that lie in the name of Jesus. I thank you for your loving affirmation upon them in the name of Jesus. Now I want to do this. If you say, I want to arise, I want everybody, those online too, if you've been sitting down, on the count of three, we're going to literally do a prophetic act. That just means we're going to physically participate with this word and what God's doing. We're going to do our best to either stand up or raise up our hands on the count of three. Are you ready? If you say, I want to participate in this word in this hour, I want this season of hunger to shift to a season of harvest, and I want to be a part of that on the count of three, if you can. If you can't stand up, then just raise up your hand. Ready? One, two, three. Arise. Arise. Arise, arise, arise. Praise God, arise. All right, now we're going to shine. And the way we shine is through good deeds. One of the greatest good deeds that we can do in this particular setting with our brothers and sisters in Christ is we can give God praise. We can give him a shout of praise. So on the count of three, we're going to give God a shout of praise. Now listen, I want you to pretend like you're at a White Sox game. <laughs> Or you're looking at the Cubs or the Bulls. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm talking about. All right? The Bears. I, I don't know how many Bears fans we have in here, but God bless you. All right, you ready? On the count of three, we're going to give God, Jesus Christ, a shout of praise. Ready? One, two, three. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise you, God. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to you, Father. Praise you, Jesus. Woo! Yes. Hallelujah. Praise you, God. Yes. Hallelujah. We praise you, Lord God. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, God. One more time. Give it up for God now. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And so, 
This is why we come together. That was a life-giving word. Amen? Anybody feel charged in your soul, ready to go out and take the world afresh in the name of Jesus? All right. And so what we're going to do, we're going to go back into worship, but we're also going to celebrate communion. Keeping the main thing, the main thing, that our Lord and Savior bled and died so that we could be reconciled to Almighty God and then, through repentance and faith, live in his resurrection life. So I'm going to give you a moment right now, and if you haven't gotten the communion cup, go ahead and make your way to get a communion cup on our right and on our left. The basket is being passed. Track it down. Tackle somebody if you need to. I'm just kidding. Okay? <laughs> But do what you need to do to get that communion cup as our worship team comes up. And then we're going to give glory to Almighty God. 